Welcome to episode 92 of No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. I am Michael O'Brien from the Sun-Times, here with Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Hoops Report. And it is February, The uh, kind of a weird feel right now because the CPS has wrapped up the regular season and is headed into the playoffs, but then we still got a full month of basketball for the uh, rest of the area. So, kind of a weird mix of postseason and regular season doldrums, would we say, Joe? February snuck up on me. Uh, yeah, I, um, I mean, obviously we're one month from March, but, you know, the conference races play out. Shootouts are starting to, I mean, they're still going, but some of the big ones are done. And uh, had a big one, obviously, this past weekend down in O'Fallon. We're Simeon, hey, almost knocked off Belleville West. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Is that one of your takes? No, it's not. Okay. I, uh. I think maybe I'll have that be my one of mine then, because we need to talk about it. But um, we will um, plan for today is we've got a bunch of questions. We're going to hit the questions. Then we will do our two takes, as always. And then we will preview the public league playoffs, which start on Tuesday. And second round is Thursday. And I've lost track after that. But in full swing this week. So let's start it up here, Joe. Boom Boom Jackson wants to know who's the best public school suburban player this century. Let's break it down to small school and large school. He throws <laughs> so out in the, in the 2000s. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, Pierre Pierce is a small school contender. He mentions Eddie Curry, Jalen Brunson, Jeremy Richmond, Shannon Brown, etc. For the big. Um, School And then he talks about who's the best public school suburban team this century, small school and large school. Small school, he mentions 2001 Westmont, 2006 Seneca, 2011 Newark, and large school, he throws out some contenders, 2000 Aurora West, 2005 Glenbrook North, and 2015 Stevenson. So I guess this could, this could be a whole podcast. Uh, sure could. I, I, Mike, I got to... I can't sit here and pretend I'm a small school expert. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, to name the best small school state in the state history or state in the last 18, 20 years, I can't do it. I mean, I, so I'll, I'll go right to the big schools. Um, I'm going to say the best – now, this is not prospect. This best high school basketball player 2000 on. I'm going to go – I'm going to say the best player that I – again, this is the best high school basketball player for a particular season. And they come to mind to me, honestly, are John Shire and Jalen Brunson as just a high school basketball player. They were absolutely dominant. And the ball was in there. I always like guards because the ball is in their hands. The impact is there. I mean, I know Julie Locafor was was phenomenal and won a state title. Jabari, the problem with Jabari Parker. Well, he wanted. He just wanted his, suburbs, though. Oh, okay. So yeah, well, then that's you easy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, for sure, then it's it's Jalen Brunson and and um, now the best prospect to me is Jeremy Richmond. Uh, without question, the most talented prospect, but and, and he was tremendous high school career, no question. But he didn't win a state title, and 
I just think Brunson and Shire were just magical in, in their senior years. Yeah, this is um, it's tough for me. I, I, mean, I have um, I think Ryan Boatwright's senior year to me was up there with the guys you mentioned. Ironically, since he didn't win, sometimes Player of the Year, <laughs> but um. You know, Richmond won back-to-back Player of the Years for us. Nobody else has done that except for what's his face. Um, sorry, here I'm uh, Quinn Buckner. <laughs> so I mean, that, that's quite a statement. I'm, yeah, I just Boatwright hasn't won. Didn't want to even win a sectional, so it's hard for me to. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Shire. I think. Um, yeah. It just that team that he won state with. And, you know, it was just two classes back then. Yeah. I mean, that was quite an accomplishment. I mean, not that it was a bad team. It, it just, yeah. No, I, it's just I, a bunch I, of small college yeah. players. and um, You know, Brunson had a, uh, some talent around him. So, yeah, I'm going to go with John Shire as my um, – and, you know, I – go ahead. I was, just, you're, I'm, I was jumping to the team, so if you had another thing to say oh. about – no, the small school players, you know, I was trying to think about that. Pierre Pierce is, seems like he might be the um, the yeah. answer. Um, although I, I think Seton, even though they're in the, they were in the Chicago Catholic League, Seton is technically a suburban school. So I think DJ Cooper mm-hmm. probably takes that for me. Um, yeah, I still think Pierre Pierce... I mean, Pierre Pierce was... He was, yeah, he was really good. Um, um, all right, yes. yeah, teams, what do you think? Um, so I think that Seton team has to um, be mentioned. If we're gonna yeah, I, I think that's for sure. My my, I mean, that team was great. Yeah. I mean, that was... Um, suburban team. 2000 West Aurora was good, but I don't think... Yeah, see, I thought it overachieved. I mean, I yeah. thought oh, they yeah. definitely overachieved. Um, they did. They were super fun, but yeah, they, they weren't loaded or anything. Um, I mean, I, I'm probably going to have to go with Stevenson. I mean, Connor Cashaw, Justin Smith, Jalen Brunson. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a pretty special suburban high school basketball team. I mean, I'm sure... You know, the Waukegan team that didn't win. Yeah, that's what I'm... Is up there. Yeah. Uh, but I just... They didn't win. I mean, I know they came close. But I, I'm going to go with Stevenson and and that and, and Cashaw. And, and not to mention the chemistry on that team. It, it was... There was some... Those guys that played together. They had, they had the, the ultimate role players on that team. Uh, that did their jobs and provided some toughness and scrappy. Yeah, I'm going to go with that Stevenson team with that Waukegan team as my my runner-up. Yeah, I mean, I think we should probably also mention the, um, what was it, 2014 Bennett team that I think would have beaten Okafer if the game was another 30 seconds, <laughs> the way that game was going. Um even though it wasn't even, it wasn't even the best Bennett team. Yeah, but man, the, the, way century, they were, the way they were playing... <laughs> I'll, I'll take the Sobolewski, Kaminsky, Bennett team. I mean, that team was... That bull right took down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, I think I might go with the... Um, 
with that with the Waukegan team that lost to um to Young. Yeah, that'd be a good game. Your Waukegan against my Stevenson and I mean Glenbrook North just because you know they they went thirty two and two that year and um you know that that it's definitely top five obviously. I don't think any other um, contenders in here. And Richards won a title, but they're not in there. Uh, Hillcrest has won a title. Uh, North Chicago had a real good team the one year. Yeah. Um, the HF team with Julian Wright. Yeah. That was a very good team. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Curry's Thornwood team. Yeah, the Schaum- Schaumburg. Lost to Schaumburg in the yeah. championship. Yeah, I think uh, so I should get what year it was. So what year was the um, the uh, Waukegan team? I'm missing my years. Uh, uh, B.O. Or, no, it was 09, right? Yes. Young. Yep, 69-66. Young beat Waukegan. It was, um, yeah, that team, who, who was all, whatever. It was a good team. Um, I thought they were going to win that game. I thought they were going to beat Young that late year, but um, came a little bit short at the end. All right. Next up is from George Hayjack. I met George, I believe, at our – well, I know I met him at Riverside Brookfield earlier in the year. He's a big RB fan. He says, um, could you answer a question about residency requirements in the Chicago Public League? It seems as if there are a lot of transfers between schools. Does that mean that the player has to move each time, or are there certain schools which are exempt from residency requirements, such as magnet schools? A comprehensive explanation would be greatly appreciated. Have at it, Mike. Well, um, that's changed recently. I'm not sure when. Exactly, because I do not have a child going to Chicago Public Schools, so I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. But as of now, the way it works is you submit an application in eighth grade. I think you take a test, and they tell you what schools you you can go to. It's like a list of four or five, or maybe you pick which four you want, and they tell you if you got into them, you know, and then you kind of go and on visits. <laughs> and you can check out Lane, Northside Prep, maybe your neighborhood school, if it's Von Steuben, you know, some other one, and then you decide where you want to go. Same thing on the south side, same thing everywhere. Um, your neighborhood school has to take you. So, like, for example, I think my neighborhood is school's Clemente. Um, it's Clemente or Wells, so it would have to take me. But if I get in to one of the magnet schools or any, any school, I can go to any school I want. Freshman year, first time, it's open enrollment, basically. Not really open enrollment because you have to test in, blah, 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 not all that kind of stuff. But you can go anywhere you want, but your neighborhood high school has to take you. After that, it's a transfer. No, you don't have to move. Um, if you do move, I assume that your neighborhood school has to take you, but I'm not even sure about that. I'm guessing you can probably keep going to the neighborhood school you were going to. I don't think anybody's worried about that too much, really, when it comes to neighborhood schools. Um, and there are all kinds of reasons for transfers. There are safety transfers. There are you know, academic transfers. A kid decides he wants to go into something that isn't at the school he's at. They don't offer it. You know, Whatever that thing might be, you, know, you can transfer for that reason. All that kind of stuff. Um so I guess that any does that make sense, Joe? 
anymore. Yeah. Um, I, there's a lot of ways around things. Yeah, and kids transfer. They leave schools. I think everybody kind of needs to get over it <laughs> a little bit. I mean, and guess what? Everybody has transfers, not just the public league schools. The Catholic league schools have transfers, and the suburban schools have transfers. There's a lot of transfers. I mean, yeah, I don't think there's a suburban school I can name off the top of my head that has as many transfers as, shall we say, or. But TF South has an awful lot in their starting lineup, I believe. Um, Bolingbrook gets a few a year, it seems. So a lot of transfers out there, but that's the way it works in the city now. You can pretty much start wherever you want if you get in, um, regardless of where you live. Next up, Spencer Jones says, Hey, Mike and Joe, what teams that are close to 500 or barely above, no more than three games, that have had kind of up and down years, have a chance of getting hot down the stretch of the season and advancing in sectional play in such a crazy year? Their sectional route is probably a big key in this. Spencer mentions Simeon, Fenwick, De La Salle, Kenwood, Uplift, Lamont, and Leiden. The problem with the majority of those is they are all in, as he mentioned, sectionals, rows that aren't very conducive to advancing deep. So it kind of eliminates a lot of those. Simeon's an obvious one. I mean, Mike and I, right before we started, we kind of went through the standings and the teams, and there's really not very many 500 teams that are out there that your traditional, genuine, you know, one up, two down, something like that. Um, but we came up with a couple that we thought, right, I have one and Mike came up with one. And, and that's I won't talk too much because I talked a lot about them last week, Naperville North on the podcast. Naperville North and DuPage Valley uh, Conference, they're the leader in the conference. They're in uh, the Bartlett sectional, which – you know, Geneva's at the top. So Geneva's going to be the number one seed. And Naperville North's probably going to be anywhere from six to eight, six to nine maybe, depending on how things shake out here. But they took Geneva to overtime and had them pretty much beaten in overtime, up three with the ball late. And Geneva, I was at that game, Geneva came back and beat them. So – you can, and they just played Lincoln Park this past weekend, lost by three, a ranked top 10 team. So, Naperville North is definitely one uh, that I, I think could surprise and make a run. Uh, I mean, they probably won't win the sectional, but I could see them pulling off an upset or two. They're 13 and 10. And then Mike and I, Mike came up with um, St. Charles East, which is another good one. Yeah, they've been really up and down this year. You never kind of know what you're going to get out of them, but I really liked them when I saw them. What is it, Nate Ortiz? And Nate Ortiz Jack and, Mitchell. and Cody, Mit- yeah, Cody Mitchell. Cody Mitchell. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they're, they're offensively, they, they've they, they've got some weapons. Um, and they are in a sectional that, I mean, uh, the Rockford sectional, right? Yep, the Rock Valley College sectional. It's broken down into two subsectionals. They are over with um, the Larkin and Elgin and then some Fox Valley teams in St. Charles East or North. So extremely winnable. Also, and, but they are one of these teams where I can see them beating any team in this sectional and losing to a lot of them too. Yeah, so. I mean, which is the, what they've done of late. I mean, they're yeah. four and five in their last nine, but they've won three of their last four, including beating West Aurora. Uh, they were – beaten up by Geneva by 20. And um, so, yeah, th- 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 those are two that come to mind. Um, I'm going to talk about another one 
in the one of my takes, Oaklawn. I don't, you know, playoff road is terrible for them, but um, I think they're worth discussing. But yeah, I guess to kind of hit briefly on the teams you mentioned, Fenwick, man, they're tough to figure out. Um, De La Salle, you know, I, I like them, but I don't think they have quite the upside of some of these other teams. Kenwood, it will be interesting to see how they do in the city tournament. They've got some potential. Uplift, I think, is in big trouble without Marquise. Um, Lamont, I don't know. not not don't have a ton of hope in that upside. And I've not seen Leiden yet. Ocean Johnson, I'd like to get out and see him. Um, maybe later. Next up, Jr. says, uh, "Who is Ben Pope? Tell us a little bit about your colleague. He writes good stories." Um, I will tell you a little bit about Ben Co- Ben Pope because that's all I know <laughs> is a little bit. Um, ben came comes to us from Northwestern. He is a student at Medill at the journalism school there. He's just about to graduate. This is like the last thing he's doing. Um, sort of landed here in the preps world basically plopped down out of nowhere. He's from um, North Carolina, I believe. He also had worked at the Philadelphia Inquirer, did a bunch of stuff. I have sat down and talked with Ben for a couple hours on the day he started, and since then I've just put him to work. (laughs) So we have not really talked about much. That's about all I know about Ben. I've been very impressed with um, kind of the homework he puts in. You know, I, I always tell him as much as I can about the teams, when I send her to the games, but he clearly does a lot of research on his own and has really taken to it because high school basketball is a, it's a rough thing to jump into when you, I mean, he didn't know anything about any team or any of these players when he showed up here. So you can tell the amount of work he's done when you read his stories that they're worthwhile to read. So it's been impressive and nice to have extra coverage. We're going to, he'll be out um, all this week at the city tournament. We'll have two games. So we'll have two games covered uh, in each round, which is, Boy, I couldn't tell you the last time that happened. It's been quite a while. Um, so that's Ben. He's going to be here the rest of the season as well. I'm not sure if he's going to be at State. I probably need to figure that out if we're going to be able to uh, get him down there. But, yeah, he's going to be here for the remainder of the year. Next up, PJ. Uh, this came in late last week. but So I, I, I don't know if I, I – I might not have sent this to Joe until literally – 20 minutes ago because um, I just saw it. So I don't know if Joe's prepared or not, but he says, PJ says at this point in the year, are there any late blooming prospects in the 2019 class who could see their recruiting stock explode in the spring? A la Matt Chastain or Terrence Shannon. Well, I mean, the, the, the first thing that has to happen is somebody has to play in the spring. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, some of these guys now are starting to, the recruiting's not heating up. They end up playing AAU in the spring. And I know that's not what he's really referring to. But, you know, the, the one player that I I wrote about about, I don't know, three weeks ago. <clears throat> I know he's not a Chicago area player, but his name's Donovan Clay. He's from Alton. And he ironically just picked up an offer from Valparaiso. The, the, the word, you know, the information I've gathered is, he could be headed the JUCO route, junior college route. And if that's the case, then that's a big maybe reason why it hasn't heated up to the point where, you know, we think, it, where I think it should be. Because this kid's really good. He's a six 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 seven kid out of Alton. They're having a good year. Uh, he, he's, after watching a couple of games that were sent to me, it's taken this game to a completely different level than what we saw in the summertime. And locally, you know, I think the one name to keep an eye on is Antonio Reeves. Uh, you know, Tawanta Williams from Orr is kind of already kind of blown up. But I've been really kind of 
miffed by Antonio Reeves' recruitment in terms of where I think he can play, which I think he's a terrific mid-major prospect. Uh, you know, he's long, can score it. Uh, he's he's got he's become more assertive this year. He's doing some things at Simeon that typically guys at Simeon don't do, which is he had a stretch there, eight nine games. I think he probably averaged about twenty two a game, and that's just not normal at Simeon. If anybody's followed Simeon, you know even their stars sometimes don't average in the twenties. So Antonio Reeves, you know he's going to uh, on a, a visit to Illinois uh, this coming weekend. Uh, I've taken a number of calls and texts in the last two weeks from some high majors, kind of poking around. Wisconsin was one of them. Uh, so we'll see. But, I mean, I don't know if mid-majors, Mike, are worried that he's going to be above them or, you know, I just got off the phone with Utah State. They were talking about him, which is a terrific mid-mid-plus program out west, and they're, they they want to get involved with him. So, I mean, there's – there's just not enough of that level, I think, involved with Antonio Reeves. So we'll see how that shakes out between now and March. Yeah, I wonder. You know, I was pretty high on Kewan Clements coming into the season. He just, But he has not had a great season. So I wonder if he's a kid who might play you in April. And yeah, I mean, there's, you know, the guys that, I mean, obviously Rashawn Agee has been, he's he's picked up some stuff here with his monster senior year. But yeah, this is a good, it's actually a very good group of, uh, of guys that have kind of taken it to the another. I mean, you throw in the diamond clay that I mentioned, Twante Williams was kind of a nobody uh, coming out of the summer. He's played himself up. Antonio Reeves, uh, Rashawn Agee. Uh, Greg Outlaw has played real well. When I've I love before. Greg Outlaw. Yeah. I've been on the Greg on, I mean, I've been on that bandwagon with some certain schools that, you know, I, I was at an event two weeks ago in MLK Day, and I was with some coaches, college coaches, and we're watching. You know, there's this big thing, Mike, about, our, you know, head coaches are always talking about, yeah, we're just not tough. We need toughness. We need yeah. some tough guys. And there he is. <laughs> that, that's your tough guy. I mean, that's he's rugged. He's physical. He plays hard. He defends. Uh, he's a terrific athlete. He's a little positionless, but, you know, you can't fill your roster with, Greg Outlaw type of players in the college level, but you can take one or two of them for sure. And he, he's just a uh, just really undervalued, I think. Yeah, crazy great athlete. And he's been hitting the mid range shot. His shot's gotten better consistently. Yeah. yeah, it's been he's been interesting. I guess another guy who's having a big senior year, um, Andre Brown, or sorry, Andre White at Waukegan. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what is going on with his recruitment really, but he's definitely putting up some very big numbers. But yeah, there's. It seems like yeah, there, there's a big group of them. <laughs> of, you know, yeah. Like, th- this. Well, yeah, and as and as much as I've talked about how this class is pretty weak, and it, it, it still is. I mean, there's still not going to be very many Division One guys. It's just there's not. Um, there, there's still guys kind of under the radar yeah. for for what Illinois. I mean, Illinois is usually ah, they're always over recruited or. And I keep telling coaches that 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 subscribe and I talk to on a regular basis are, hey man, I mean, <laughs> there's some guys sitting here with nothing going. Like uh, Isaac Stanback. Oh, or, 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 no, I'll give you one, Mike. Deshondre Washington. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, he's a six-six guy with a, a long. He's everything that colleges are looking at, looking for. You know, he's got some skill. He's got a soft touch out to the three-point line. I mean, 
he just picked up a offer. I think uh, I can't remember where Tennessee Martin maybe, but oh, okay. uh, he, he's another one. So yeah, there's 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 guys outside the Chicago area. Don Deontay Phillips out of Moline, uh, Fort Wayne just offered him. So there there's there some uncommitted kids in here in Illinois that have, have really kind of flown under the radar. Yeah, quite agree. I think it's like our largest group. <laughs> I could keep going. You know, you got the, the Bryant Browns and the Deng Rang. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a lot. Kid at Springfield Southeast is going to Chicago State, committed to Terion Murdoch. Yeah. Uh, he's terrific, too. All right. Let's see. I, I lost the uh, question thing here because I was looking at seniors. <laughs> Next up, um, Marty Machazic, and I think this is a little similar. He says, about a month ago, I was watching Illinois State's game at Loyola and watched Matt Chastain, well, two Matt Chastain emails this week, uh, of the Redbirds nearly jump out of Gentile Arena for a spectacular dunk off a rebound. That shocked me into remembering he was from downstate Leroy, Leroy, and I can remember how to say it, and had also started his career at Loyola. Like Chastain, and to obviously a greater degree in Ethan Happ from Rock Ridge near the Quad Cities, are there any small town, small school guys currently in Illinois who could be mid to high major prospects? Yeah, I'm going to see one tomorrow night. Um, <laughs> Geneseo plays at Yorkville, and Isaiah Rivera is, he just scored 51 uh, about a week ago. Uh, he's six four, two guard. You know, he's St. John's offered him. Um, somebody else just did. Um, I can't remember. He's got all the Missouri Valley Conference schools on him. He's a pretty dynamic score. He, he's one. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a junior. Sorry, he's he's in the class of twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, so he's the one that comes to mind right away because he's, you know, among my top five, six players in the entire Chicago area, or uh, entire state of Illinois. Sincere Parker, he'll probably be a mid-major. He's a 6'3 guard out of Rockford East. Um, but Lillard kid, from Moments, is he going? Yeah, he's got nothing going okay. uh, for the most part. And, and, and the question was small schools. I guess Rockford East really doesn't count as yeah. a small school. Um, Deron House from Sterling Newman Catholic. He'll probably be a he'll be a Division One kid. He won't be a high major. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Any other small town? Does Johnsburg count? <laughs> um, yeah. And that, that's that's it. I got Geneseo. That's it. All right. Next up. Oh, um, second part here from Marty was about Christian Negron. Um, Wanted to know, basically, he thought he would contribute more this year, but it hasn't happened. Do we know if the knee is still an issue, or are there other issues involved? They, they, I, I talked to the staff a little bit, and, you know, they, uh, Loyola, uh, the knee's pretty healthy. You know, was, you know my, my perspective is he's, still, he's always been that guy that is going to have to improve the skill level. To, to prevent himself from being your four or five man and be more of a four or three uh, position wise. Uh, the other thing they're trying to conditioning wise, always trying to get him in, in tip top condition and the injuries probably played a part in that. But uh, you know, it, it, you know, he's six, six terrific athlete, but yeah, he hasn't quite made the impact that I think some people envisioned. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel, I feel like he was always, about potential 
you know, kind of as you said, and I didn't expect him to be an immediate contributor there even before the injury, personally. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not shocked it's taken a little while. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But all right, two takes, Joe. Do you want to start us off? Yeah, uh, mine is, you know, it's kind of one. Well, I just start rambling. There, I watched. Well, the shootout at East Aurora did not turn out to be uh, this past weekend as good as I had hoped. There were two twenty-point games by halftime that I was at. Uh, the April North Lincoln Park game was was down to the wire, but but Geneva just drilled Aurora Christian and 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 York hammered Oswego East, and they were both over in the first half, but. As I'm watching Geneva, my take is, Mike, that it's really nice to see some these teams, traditional community public high schools, that the guys play together. They've known each other. They've been playing together for years. These schools aren't – they aren't basketball giants like a Thornton or a Proviso East or one of those – West Aurora, one of those, you know – long tradition rich in our his state's history um one of those programs but watching them i mean geneva anybody who hasn't watched geneva if you see their 23 and one ranked i don't know where you have them ranked right now mike is top 15 or 10 or i don't even know but if you watch them in warm-ups you're gonna be like wait a minute this is your 23 and one team that you keep talking about and then you watch them play they always make the extra pass, and it starts with Jack McDonald, their point guard, which I've raved about and talked about a lot. But they're always – they play so well together. They are just a well-oiled machine right now. And then you start looking at what they've been doing, Mike. I mean, they beat Aurora Christian, which is a solid team. Aurora Christian did not play very well. They let Geneva do whatever they wanted for the most part offensively. And they beat them 68-31 with a running clock the week before – they beat the aforementioned St. Charles East team that we think got some talent. They pounded them by 20, 75, 55. Beat St. Charles North by double digits. Pounded Wheaton South, which Wheaton South isn't as good as they've been in recent years, but if you've seen Wheaton South, that's not a team that you just drill. Their, their, their style and system just makes it usually ugly and keeps it close. Beat them by 20, 54, 35. Uh, you know, they have... They just seem to be playing such crisp, with a purpose basketball that it, it just defies all the things you talk about when you talk about great teams. You know, they don't have great athletes. They don't have uh, tremendous size. They don't have Division One basketball players. They don't have, I mean, all these things they don't have, but they are as in tune with each other as any team you'll find. And to a, de- to a degree... York was the same way when they just just ran roughshod over Oswego East. Uh, they've got guys that are very familiar with each other, are in tune with their system and style that they play at at York. And you know, we talk about Riverside Brookfield and their type of team like that. They're twenty and four, and guys, five seniors have been playing together forever. And no, they're not Morgan. None of these teams are Morgan Park or or, or Young or Curie, but. They've really been enjoyable to watch all year long and a little bit underappreciated, I think, by the masses. I think Mike and I have kind of appreciated what they bring to the table uh, and the type of seasons they're having. But, again, Geneva, 23-1. and one. And, 
you know, York's 22 and three and, and RB's 20 and four. I just kind of wanted to just, my take is just simply, it's, it's really nice to see those types of teams uh, find their way in the mix of all these, you know, I, again, these powerful programs across the Chicago area. Yeah, I that was just my second time seeing Geneva um, that Aurora Christian game. I'd seen him beat Wheaton North in overtime. And I have to say, I, I've definitely revised my ceiling for Geneva after that game. You know, they, they shot really well. Jack McDonald's always solid, too. But, yeah, the, you can definitely see them with the path they have. They could wind up in Peoria for sure. Um, that team, which would be exciting. That would be their second time in the last few years. Maybe Geneva is becoming a uh, <laughs> powerhouse. Um, my first take is going to be on Oak Lawn. I went out on Friday night to Oak Lawn to actually see Oak Lawn. I go to the Oak Lawn gym fairly often every couple of years, and it's usually to see Simeon or someone in the in the playoffs. I'm rarely ever there to actually watch Oak Lawn play basketball. And looking back over what has happened at Oaklawn in the past 30 years. I can see why. Um, Oaklawn won 19 games last year, and it was kind of with this group. Um, well, at least a couple of them. Sammy Osmani is a 6'3 junior. Trey Ward is a 5'11 junior point guard. They both started last year as sophomores, and they won 19 games, which um, a, a, that's a big deal. Um, for Oaklawn, going back through this uh, their history, the last time the team had won 19 games was in 1980. They won 21. This school has not won a regional since 1988, if this IHSA site is correct. And I don't know if that's going to happen this year. It's a tough sectional for them. We'll see how things match up. But they're starting five juniors, so I think next year is something they can really point towards, and this school could win a regional, could go further. I wouldn't be surprised if they wound up in the rankings. Um, Kevin Swatek is another player. He's kind of the 6'3", undersized post player. He was really effective in this game against Lindblom. They, they snapped Lindblom's 18-game winning streak. David Reyes did a really nice job defensively shutting down Shamar Pumphrey, the kind of lead guard for Lindblom. He's also a junior. He'll be back. So I, I think they're definitely a team worth keeping an eye on. You know, I don't think this is going to be a top 10 or 15 team at any point, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if next year they were, you know, kind of in and out of the rankings, maybe down near the bottom. And who knows, you know, if they improve over the off season, they, they definitely have the pieces to, at least for Oak Lawn, maybe, maybe make some history. Kind of stories I like. Those are the ones I, I, I'm always intrigued by the programs that rise up and, have just not been able to do anything, and they, and they find their way into conversations like this. Uh, my, my second take is just, it, it's on, it, well, I'm not talking about Geneva again, but it, it struck my mind today because Jack McDonald from Geneva committed to Augustana, and a Division three power, but we, we always talk about the recruitment of, you know, all the E.J. Liddells and the, Marquise Jacobs and, and those types of players. Rare, very rarely do we talk about the small college recruitments, which are pretty intense. And, they, and they've, they've really been ramped up. It, it used to be small college programs would get most of their work done. I'm going back 10 years now, almost postseason. This still happens after March because a lot of these players want to wait and see what's out there for them and if they can generate any interest at the Division One level. Then you kind of work your way down, Division II, NEIA. But Jack McDonald, who I've, again, I raved on and on, a hoop support favorite, and he is going to Augustana. But there's a lot of small college players who their recruitments are starting to heat up. 
and they don't get the pub and the and the the tweets and the you know the media coverage over their recruitment as these other players that are going high major or mid major do. But just I'm just going to highlight a few of the rather interesting like well Geneva's also got another player Mitch Mascari, a six four shooter. He's a coveted Division two prospect. Um, you know Solomon Ragu from Fenwick has had a terrific senior year, averaging 17 points a game. And you know he's he's a small school gym, small college gym. Uh, Andrew Vion from Riverside Brook, Brookfield is already committed to Roosevelt. Uh, the two kids we already mentioned at St. Charles East, Nate Ortiz and Cody Mitchell, they're they are big time small college prospects coveted. Bryce Hopkins from Friend, he's already committed to Chicago. And um, you know Zach Toussaint, uh, the the high scoring Johnsburg guard, he committed early to West Texas. Division two school down in Texas, only offer he got, took it and and signed. So, and the other thing I I like Mike about some of the small college recruitments is they 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 really try. I mean, not I mean, I, I know that they try to. They they always say in every story I ever write of a Division one commitment, this is the best fit for me, but that's clearly not true because they all transfer. Uh, but you know, there's 600 transfers each year, so. Those clearly not the, that's not the fit, but at the small college level, it really is, and that's why some of these guys, you know, Jack McDonald has Division two offers, so he, I mean, Division three, he's gonna be paying some money, and but it was about fit, and it was about playing at a certain level and being able to, to kind of wrap your mind around that as a family and as a kid. You know, I, I give a lot of respect. I mean, he could have easily played out this great senior year he's having. You know, same with Zach Toussaint. I mean, he found what he wanted back in the fall and signed and heading to West Texas. So, you know, I, I just give them a lot of credit for really seeking out what they want and what's important to them and not, you know, everybody wants to shoot for the stars. Yes, I get it. Uh, but being in, living in, rea- in the reality of what really is there for them. My um, second take is going to be on Simeon Belleville West. I think we should just talk about it. But before that, I guess I'm going to have half a take <laughs> on a uh, because it's just been popping up too much on Twitter and on the website and the comments. So I will address it. Um, St. Rita, everybody, not everybody, but there's a, a large vocal group of people that don't understand why St. Rita isn't ranked. And it's kind of confounding to me. Um they're eighteen and seven, nine and one in the Catholic White, which is you know kind of the second tier Catholic league, uh, the way it's kind of set up. Um, in first place there, I I just don't really understand why what Rita has done in the last two months that has everybody thinking they should be in the rankings. I mean, yes, the last two teams I'm shoving in every week could be just about anybody, and I'm going with new blood down there because St. Rita was ranked in the preseason. And was ranked, you know, a majority of the first couple weeks of the year. So, you know, they've kind of had their attention. But if, if you want to go back and look resume-wise, you know, they just beat Marmion, which is a nice win. They went 2-1 and one in Alaska. And then before that, they needed overtime to beat Marist and De La Salle. Um, over the holidays, they lost to Oswego East by 11. And then they went into the consolation bracket, and they beat Lincoln Park there. And so I think maybe that's where some of this is coming from. But I think everyone knows I don't care about consolation action, and neither do most people. And before that, they beat Loyola and Fenwick. They lost to St. Lawrence. 
They've beaten Brother Rice. They lost to Oak Park, who's down at the bottom of the rankings, and they've lost to Kenwood, who's not ranked. I guess I just don't understand why why there is this groundswell of St. Rita support. Um, is my <laughs> mini take. I, I, I mean, I, I get why they're... I mean, I'm not saying, oh, you're crazy not having them ranked, but... I mean, I think their point would probably just looking at it now because I haven't really analyzed this, but they're probably thinking, okay, we won eight in a row. Um, when did they win eight in a row? Well, when's their last loss? The twenty fourth. Who they lose to? Colony Anchorage in Alaska. Oh, out of Alaska. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. uh, no, I just I don't have that one. I yeah, they've also oh. lost to Carver, Alabama in there. At one point, I think they'd lost th- three of I, I don't Yeah, I don't see it. There is not a winning streak in here. Um, well, I just have White Station and on, and then St. Joe's, De La Salle, Maris, Montini, Monroe, Arkansas, Ketchikan, Arkansas, Marmot. Uh, Alaska. Yeah. I must, or, oh, oh, it's Alaska. Okay. Yeah, All of them. Yeah. Okay. They, they so they, oh, I do have a hole right there. So that must've been their, their loss. Um, no, I, I mean, I just, I mean, they've beaten some, I mean, Wheat North is decent. Brother Rice is decent. Loyola's decent. Fenwick's decent. They don't have a, you know, Rockford Auburn's decent. Uh, they don't have a, I guess, marquee win but and I, again i'm not saying they should be ranked i could see like a somebody who bleeds <laughs> rita blood i mean i can see why they're maybe who, who's who's 25th right now richards yep yeah shoved but, in old richard since they had not uh gotten any love all season long but um, yeah, I, I don't under. Usually, I kind of understand where the arguments are coming from, and it's just well, like, they, they've they've got plenty to, they've got plenty left to um, prove yeah. they belong. The, the next they got two weeks are huge. Leo, yeah. they got Mount Carmel, Saint Mel, DePaul Prep. So you got uh, three teams there that are either ranked or have been ranked. Yeah, that's um, definitely going to prove a lot, and we'll see. I think, and maybe that's part of it too. If they had played those games in January. You know they'd had a much better chance to get in the rankings, you know, by by beating one of them. But right now they got a double digit loss to Oswego East was their last significant game, and Oswego East isn't in the rankings. So theoretically, I'd be putting them in before St. Rita. So that's the Rita um, thing. But yeah, I'm getting emails from like people I know that are St. Joe's fans wanting to know why I'm not ranking St. Rita. <laughs> it's like what? What? Yeah, it's not a very good argument. It's just, I mean. Anyway, um, Belleville West Simeon, we both watched it on the live stream, which was an excellent quality live stream. I thought and it looked good for you, Joe. Look good for yeah, me. Yeah, but I think you're. <laughs> I was meant to text you to see if I wanted to find out if your stream was like slower than mine. Yeah, I was about I, three minutes behind some people. It looked like. Yeah. yeah so everybody, I, I felt like. I would tweet something or and you would come back with, I don't know. It must have been different. Everybody was different. I don't know. But, yeah, it, yeah, it was good. It was good. I mean, it was a lot better than driving four hours. Um, yeah, can't beat that. The, the announcers were interesting. <laughs> yeah. They talked about uh, how Young had won the state title 10 years ago. <laughs> I got the end of the Young game. 
I guess they missed. Oh, I didn't see that. Be young. Yeah, they. You know, they missed that two years ago one. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, it was an interesting game. Um, EJ Liddell got hurt, was out, missed a couple minutes, came back in and played. Um, but I was just really, you know, I think what did I predict? 15, 12 point Belleville West win on the uh, show. Last yeah, week. last week I said. You know, I, I said it'd be like eight or nine, I think, or eleven. I can't remember, but um, yeah, I, I, I saw what you tweeted about. This isn't any different, Simeon, than than I've seen I, all year. Yeah, yeah, and, and I guess I, I agree. I guess my thing was I was I, I, I talked about in the podcast before. I really liked what I saw in the Bolingbrook game, so. It was that kind of coupled with that as opposed to what we had. I think they played better in that Bolingbrook game than I had seen them in a, a few other times. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't think the game was a, particularly a great high level. I mean, it was a very good game. But I'm not, it wasn't like I was sitting there watching two unbelievable. Like, I think Belleville West is probably better than they even played that night, I think. But and I just find I talked to Joe Munoz, the Belleville West coach, last week for a story I'm writing this week on a look at all the top teams from around Illinois, and it was interesting for he. I mean, he said one, they're, 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 the the two things that stand out from this team compared to last year's state title team. One, they aren't as nearly as good defensively as a year ago, which the small you know window that we've seen, I guess, is true. But the other thing is. They're also extremely confident, and that's why they're winning these close games. That's why they keep their, their schedule, if you compare this year's schedule with last year's schedule, much better. So they're going to be better prepared in, in, in that regard. And there is something to be said about a team that has played that schedule and has that experience of that state title run from a year ago, which is what I'm writing about this week. So, yeah, I, I – but nonetheless, Mike, I mean, I – that's a huge, again, that's a huge statement from a Simeon team that everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people mistakenly wrote off early on. And I remember people saying, you're nuts for ranking them. I would have never taken Simeon out of the rankings, ever. I know you kind of had to. The losses piling up. The, the coreless loss is what took him out for yeah. one week. So I get it. Yeah. But anybody who has seen Simeon, and then seeing the other, not just the top 25, I'm talking about even, let's say the top 40 teams. There's there's just no question. So I, I think they've validated, I mean, that, that Morgan Park stinger, you know, hit them, you know, an 18-point loss. But, I mean, beating Bolingbrook the way they did, and then going down into what is basically a home game for Belleville West in a big-time atmosphere and taking them to overtime, that that's that that bodes well, man. Now we'll see if they can keep riding this, and and we'll talk a little bit about that city playoffs coming up. But I I don't know. I I still have questions of what they they're capable of doing. See, but my question isn't about Simeon. I I've seen him ten times. I think I I know what Simeon is now. I feel like I I have a really solid idea of that. They can have good games like they did against Bolingbrook. They can drop really bad ones. You know, like the Morgan Park, they play almost everybody pretty close, you know, most of the time. 
what I'm taking away from this game is what is the deal with Belleville West? They did not look anywhere near what I expected. Uh, I was really disappointed with them. This does not look like a team that is the de facto, you know, number one team and they're going to roll in. I mean, I'm not sure this team is a definite block to get out of the sectional. You know, if you looked at, you know, the results of some of the other teams in that sectional, I was, I was just, I guess I'm, I was very underwhelmed. I mean, well, they've, they've lost to nobody in Illinois. Yeah. So, but, but I mean, who, but who have they played? They haven't played any well, of their top teams. Yeah. But I mean, you really don't think they're going to get out of their sectional? I don't know. I mean, Alton seems to be pretty good. Well, they beat Alton twice. Oh boy, that that's going to be even worse. <laughs> Got to beat them a third uh, time in the playoffs. I'm just saying. And again, I I don't. I think it's very risky to start talking. I'm not criticizing you. I'm saying everybody. I, I, the one thing I hate doing, even up here in the Chicago area, is when you get one look at a team. And there's teams in the Chicago area that I know you too. That that maybe you saw once in December, and you're like, eh. Or maybe the only time you saw him was playing, you know, last week or whatever it might be. And to take a snapshot of, the, of one game is really kind of hard to do. I mean, I, I just – and that's why I, I kind of said I fully believe or expect. Now, I watched Belleville West one time on, on another game, tape game, earlier this year, which they did look better. They weren't playing a team like Simeon. My point is I, I – if you don't have enough faith in what Belleville West is with the returning players, talent, and what they did last year, then, I mean, now they lost a huge piece, Malachi Smith. And so I, I don't I don't personally think they're as good as last year's team, no, because of Malachi Smith being gone. But I, I, I and I disagree, Mike, because I, I don't know how you can really think we know what Simeon is. I mean, they have not had the full. I was talking to Rob Smith about it. He goes, Joe, we haven't played everybody together on our entire team, fully healthy, all in together more than this week. And, and, and Ahmad, I mean, Ahmad Bynum is clearly their number two score and critical for them going forward. And, and also, and, and he hasn't been healthy since early December, tried to come back. We played on one leg. You know, I. And then the other thing is, I, I don't. I think Jalen Drain and Casey are just still, they're they're, they're still climbing. So I don't know how good they're going to be in March. Well, you I, mean, know what I mean, it's here. They don't have any time to get any better. <laughs> the season's over. Now, I, Casey and Drain. I mean, I could. But it's not a month from now. It's a handful of games from now. The, no, the, I'm their just season's saying, they're, they're 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 they might. Young kids rise to the occasion in March all the time that they didn't even do things in January or February. I've seen all the time. So my point is I just don't – I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to come together for Simeon, particularly with that youth. And, I mean, they got – I mean, I could be saying something completely different in two weeks after watching them play in the city playoffs five games. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a huge stretch for those young kids. So I just I don't know if I know I can't say I know what Simeon's going to be until really a while because I I, I got a whole city of playoffs to figure out if Bynum's going to be healthy and playing very back in sync completely I just don't know so that's why I don't I still can't figure Simeon yeah, out yeah I don't think they have time for any of that I think what we see now is what they are 
I mean, they could be done in on Thursday. And then the state playoffs for them next. So I, I think that progression has already happened. What we have is here, and they're going to have a battle against Lane on Thursday. And if they get through that, then maybe we can see them improve a little bit if they have to play young. But, I mean, this team might only have five games left in its season. I mean, the way things are. So your, your Lane game, like like battle, like, like what? Like you think it's going to be like a – Oh, yeah, that's going to come down to the wire. Yeah, I think for sure. Um, it's going to be at lane, I think. Actually, that who's higher? I'm not sure who's higher seated. But anyway, but no, the Belleville West thing, yeah, I just... Curie also hasn't lost in the state to anyone. Oh, and Belleville West isn't unbeatable. But yeah. I, I, I don't think anybody thought they were unbeatable. But they were clearly their they're team to beat. They're the defending state champs with all that experience and the top player in the state. I mean, I, you know what I mean? I just, I, yeah, I, 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 I was just, I was really underwhelmed. I expected them to be much better with all that experience back. You know, we saw how well those kids played down in state, down at state. I, I don't know what they're doing, taking all those threes, you know, Simeon. Yeah. It, it was a confusing game um, for me in a lot of ways. Casey was, I just didn't think, I didn't think it was a very good game. I mean, I, I, no, you're right, and that and, and Simeon did that. You know, to Simeon's credit, that's how Simeon wanted the game to go, and that's how it went. You know, in the fifties, for some reason, Belleville West took twenty three three pointers. They were six for twenty three from three with two of the best post players in the state. It, it was a strange game for sure. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I, I just I, I really expected them to be a lot better than our teams. You know, we've talked a lot about how. You know, this isn't a great year here. We don't have any great teams. And I thought this was going to be a team that was clearly a step above our top teams. And I, I didn't see that. All right. Public League playoffs. Let's see here. Um, first round is a little less compelling for me than the last couple years. I don't know. Did, did any games stand out to you at all, Joe, in that first round? No, it's kind of like what I said last week in the podcast. I'm just interested to see how some of the second-tier teams – I'm trying to find one here. Like just like how a Dunbar fares against Logan. I mean, I, I – you know, how, the, 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 I mean, I think the Corliss-Westinghouse game is, is intriguing. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have these red flag upset alert on very many of these games. Uh, you know, it's a good chance for Lindblom, I think, to, you know, to get out of that first round. If they, you know, Marquise Jacobs less, uh, uplift team, you know, I don't know. You said, you know, Lane and Simeon second. I mean, I, Lane should handle Prosser. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I, that was a really – I saw that game already. It came down to the last shot. It was overtime. So that could be <laughs> – my Lane guys could have trouble. That that could be a really close first-round game, I think, um, of the bunch. And I'm looking here now. Simeon would host that. I was wrong. There well, well I guess if there's any of the prohibitive favorites that could – if you had to pick one that could potentially lose – in the first round, 
So, I mean, you're if you're saying, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say Lane's a prohibitive favorite. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I, no, I, no, I don't see any. I mean, of a rank, I'll say that a ranked public, a ranked city team in the first round, any truly potential upsets? Maybe, possibly. maybe the only one I could even slightly fathom, and I don't know much about Clark, but their scores have been decent and or is in a real canyon right now i feel like so i wonder a little bit about that but not really uh the yeah. rest of them not at all i don't know anything about sure is it sure is any good they're okay but not as good as they've been the past few years um, uh most intriguing second round game which doles will be played thursday right thursday yeah thursday second round most intriguing second round game that you're most excited to see. You know, I think the Or Corliss game could be very good. The Corliss Westinghouse game, though, as you mentioned, is probably the best first round game. So, so that could go either way. Um, Kenwood Farragut, I think, is going to be a good game in that second round. Um, but yeah, probably. Good. I think that would be an ugly one. I think, but good, but ugly. Kenwood Farragut. Uh... I mean, you have me all excited about Lane Simeon. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I that's the game I would like to see um, for sure. I really like Lane. I think I know Jack Leeson saw him for the first time, and he was impressed too. They, I mean, they just dominated Wheaton Warrenville South over the weekend. Um, they they do they need to shoot well. You know, they're kind of like a St. Charles East. Um, they got a lot in common with St. Charles East. Uh, Vuk Jurek is a solid post player, a smart post player. So they do have a threat there, but they shoot a lot of the three. Um, they share the ball well. Um, yeah, I, I think that's Lane Simeon is going to be could be a really great game. But then after that, you know, Young is waiting. And Young, if you if you're kind of breaking down the brackets here, Young's path, you know, it, it it's pretty easy. They got Taft and then probably Peyton, who's not bad, you know, to get into those quarterfinals. Um, Curie also has a pretty solid path into the quarters. They're gonna have. See, I think all, I think all the top teams have. Nice, I mean, I think Morgan Park has a nice path. Yeah, I mean, Lindblom's a little tougher than some of those others, but yeah, no, they do. You're right. Um, Lincoln Park's got a pretty. Didn't Lindblom just lose twice this week? They lost. Yep, Deerfield the... and um, oh, sorry, Glenbrook North beat them. Yeah. Okay. I, I think Morgan Park's okay there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I just think more. I think Morgan Park cruises into the uh, easily into the quarters. I, I mean, I I, I, mean, I like Lincoln Park, Mike. I've seen them now three times. I saw them at their best against Whitney Young. I, I don't see Lincoln Park beating. I, I see Morgan Park cruising to the semifinals. I really do. And. I think young Simeon, if it develops, is going to be a. I think it's going to be the best quarterfinal game, right? Yeah, quarterfinal game of all of them. You know, I, I think Curie cruises. Uh, now I think Or Bogan would be in, if they develop in the in the one quarters is going to be a a tough one, but I think Curie and Morgan Park both just roll to the semifinals. Yeah, I'll be surprised. I, I have not seen Lincoln Park. I've, I don't know how many times I've seen them, maybe three or four, but I feel like I haven't seen them play very well yet. So I, I'm not sure. That is going to be a little Chris Roberts derby, though. Lincoln Park will be pretty oh, yeah, that, fired up. Yeah, and I saw a Lincoln Park fired up team at 
the young game. At the young game, yeah, they were they were focused, man. They played hard, and they made shots. I mean, they they threw some shots in that game that uh, which is what happens when you get you know upsets. But uh, yeah, I, I just I don't want to. I don't want to downgrade the city playoffs, but I just feel like there's a little less intrigue than I than I originally thought there was going to be. Am I crazy? Um, it's about what I thought. Um, I think. I, for, I, I guess for as much as we've talked about the second tier public league teams, and then also <laughs> the, the power ones aren't powers that we'd have more. You know, the Marquise Jacobs thing kind of ruined the uplift deal. Um, just that intrigue of what he could do, put him on the back, carry him, could they upset, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, do you see any of, I mean, the, out, out of the four favorites, which would be Bogan, Curie, Young, and Morgan Park, any, which one has the best shot of being knocked out before the semis? Young. No. Well, the problem with Young is, see, I don't. Young has not been in good form in the CPS. You know, they. Well, you saw them lose to Lincoln Park. They have squeaked by. You know, I think they beat North Lawndale by just two points. You know, they, they had a tough game against Lane. I think they just traveled in some plain thing. You know, they have not played they real beat, well. Yeah, they beat Uplift by three, beat Lawndale by two. Yeah. Uh, they have won eight in a row, but you're right. I mean, they have not. You know, they beat Lane by nine. So, yeah, I mean, a nice win for them, actually. I don't know how much you watched of that and the young game, but that's yeah. actually a nice win. That's a de- that's a good team they beat. Um, that said, though, Young doesn't have a really tough test until Simeon. They're not having to match up against. Right, but I'm just saying those other three, I don't see. I mean, Bogan or, I mean, maybe, but. Just because young Simeon, that's that's why they probably have the, the best shot of being the one that gets quote unquote upset. But but I, I you know I, I've got I'm gonna have I got the four I got my point is I've got all four of them making the semifinals the four that you would expect yeah and Curie Bogan and Young Morgan Park would, yeah. would be the matchups there right um, and I think Simeon's the only one that could potentially I mean again I keep saying or but. I just don't trust Orr at this yeah, point. Yeah, they've been very up and down. Curie Farragut could be interesting. Um, you know, yeah, Curie Farragut would be the favorite. Things up and, and great. Oh, by the way, great to hear. Great to see Aaron Strong pick up an offer from Detroit. Really yeah. <laughs> blue collar, underrated guy. And talked about a lot uh, of the podcast <laughs> over the years. So. Yeah, and so for him, and he, he plays the right way. He just goes and does. His, he doesn't. If anybody's seen a play, he doesn't. I don't know. He just doesn't do anything that, uh, like, despair. doesn't pump his chest. Or he doesn't. He just goes in place. <laughs> and and, and uh, yeah, and he's been very unselfish this season. You know, he'd kind of been a low efficiency scorer before. Yeah. In his yeah. career, well, that's changed quite a bit, and it's you know it makes sense because he's just got he's trusting the guys around him a lot more, and it's made them a much better team without him shooting so much. I think that's why they've been better. This season, and I think the big lesson for him, for especially for the kids in the CPS, he he's a qualifier. 
you know, he's got his grades figured out. And we've seen so many kids, you know, kind of at his level that had success, especially in the CPS, that just didn't get those offers they wanted. And it, a lot of the time, they, they got to get the grades. And he's always had that. And that's set him up now to have a nice opportunity. And uh, back to our playoffs. So we got four, Mike, that we're saying the exact same four in the semi. So who you have in the championship? So we got Kerry Bogan in one semi. And young Morgan Park, who that's a good doubleheader, uh, in the other semifinal. Yeah, I mean, boy, we always do this, and then we end up having to pick this many games in advance is crazy. But um, I, I definitely see a Curie Morgan Park. Crap. I'm you both going to say Curie yeah. Morgan Park. Yeah, I do. Curie Morgan Park in the final. Um I will say, I mean, I, I'm a, I, I, I still like Young because I, I, I just love the, the that DJ Stewart, the combo of Stewart and, and the trio basically of Stewart, Baker, and Beard. But um, Morgan Park's playing at a pretty high level right now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Young, but right now, I, yeah, Morgan Park Curie. Yeah, I like Morgan Park's road the best. Right. So they, they become an easy kind of pick to win. I think Bogan has just kind of receded out of the spotlight a bit. You know, I was really high on Bogan. You know, they're number two right now. But they didn't look real great the last time I saw them, even though they won. We'll see how that goes. I, I think Coralis clearly could throw a wrench in a lot of things. We haven't talked about them. But, you know, they've beaten Simeon. They almost beat, um, was it Bogan? Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, like Corliss and Orr second round would be a barn burner, man. Yeah, that's, I mean, Corliss is going to have a tough time getting there, even with Westinghouse. But, so, I mean, that's kind of where the action is to me down in that area. Even North Lawndale Crane's going to be close. You know, the other, the other thing to think, the, the other thing about this public league playoffs, and you, I think of it because you just said Bogan's kind of been, I can't remember what you said, out of limelight or, yeah. or whatever. But, I mean, the, these powers, if you look at the way that's, we complained about it before. I mean, all of the big games, almost all of them, were all played in December. Yep. So, yeah, things have changed, and I mean, that's that's a good month and a half from, uh, you know, when all when Bogan played Morgan Park, and and you know Morgan Park beat Bogan, and uh, you know, so all these games were played way back in December, and you know, Curie played Simeon, Morgan Park, and Orr all in December, and. You know, I hate the schedule the way it is, but in this regard, it's kind of, kind of is is all fresh again. Yeah, it's weird because I mean, this is how crazy it is. Bogan, guess how many games Bogan played in January? Eight, four. Huh? Yeah, they've played four games. That can't be right. Yeah, it's right. Um, so I mean, they kind of they beat Young by nine. You know? Oh, I'm sorry, I went by. Yeah, yeah, I shoved that in. That's wrong. Okay. Um, they, they lost to Curie by eight and since then you know everybody's been less excited about Bogan but this is still a team that you know beat Young and looked great doing it in that proviso game so the ceiling is high for Bogan I guess I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if despite we're not talking about Bogan a lot if Bogan won the city I think it's a team that's kind of could be focused on that this season you just kind of wonder about Young how much 
Yeah, no, we'll learn a lot about these four. Um, and then, obviously, which I wrote about last week, Player of the Year, which that's, that should have been another take of mine. All the people that were <laughs> tuning their horns over all the Player of the Year candidates, I, I don't know if people understand what the <laughs> yeah. tri- criteria is for Player of the Year. Yeah. Think of it a little bit like the Heisman Trophy people. Yeah. All right. <laughs> You've got to be on a, unless you're having just a record breaking out of this world season individually, uh, you, 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 you got to have, you got to be winning. I mean, and you got to be beating good teams and you got, otherwise it's just not, no. I mean, it's, I got some names people throwing at me about how do you not consider this guy in the player of the year race? And it's, it, some of them are laughable. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, I saw anyway. it. You know, you were right about that. I mean, what was the? What, do you remember? I'm, I'm looking here now. What Thornton's record was, and Verge had trouble winning it. But yeah, I mean, they were still their record, their record was much better than the, some of the. Well, exactly. That, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, he, you know they. Yeah. And they, yeah, because they. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, I mean, the the the, the team has to be relevant. I mean, and, and, and for the most part, at least ranked. I mean, if you're player of the year, I mean, I, mean, I. Yeah, and you have to win things. You know, Verge won the Big Dipper. You know, they were undefeated in conference. You know, they didn't have a great record overall and were super highly ranked. But yeah, yeah, some of the names were hilarious. But we'll see how that goes this coming week. Is uh, any other games you wanted to spotlight, Joe? I got the list here. It's not a great week overall. We've got. I don't know. Notre Dame Pats on Friday, fun rivalry. Um, St. Ignatius and Loyola are going to play at Northwestern at Welch Ryan, the Jesuit Cup. So that's a little exciting. If I think it's the, you know what one, one game I one game I cut you off. Uh, one game I'm interested in it was um, a team we haven't talked about hardly at all, but their record's pretty good. I want to see what Niles North does at New Trier because I was trying to break down. I do my ridiculousness of seeding all the sectionals next week. And it, that that sectional, Niles North is pretty much the three seed in that sectional after looking at everything. And if Niles North can go into Nutria, I mean, I don't think they will, but uh, I, we just – have you seen Niles North? No. I said, Me either. They didn't hang too well with Evanston. Over, yeah, so over, I'm over interested to see just what they do matchup-wise with – you know, because we talked about Nutria, you know, it's matchup. Yeah. And Niles North has that speed and quickness that – that could give them some problems, but um, yeah, that's that's one game that kind of stood out to me. Uh, Oak Park York on Saturday. Yeah, that's first place on the line. Yeah. Uh, Oak Park drilled York by like thirty, I think, uh, the first time around. I don't anticipate that happening again. Um, also, a Sunday oh, Catholic yeah. League game <laughs> rescheduled after Sunday Mass. Uh, <laughs> Uh, DePaul, Brother Rice at 3.30, Player of the Year on the line, Perry Cowan and um, Marquise Kennedy at Sunday. Uh, That's a good one. Yeah, the Oswego-Oswego East game on Friday. There's a big shootout up in Racine. With, yeah, Wisconsin versus Illinois. Is that the one? Yeah, and um, Loyola plays Patrick Baldwin's team. Oh, okay. Uh, Mundelein, I, I've got a little piece on Mundelein in a column. they got a big one, not, not for the conference race, but you know they're, they're sitting there with 15 wins. 
really young, talented team. They go and play at Stevenson on Friday night, which I think that's where I'm at it. Um, yeah, that uh, should be very good. I'd like to see Mundelein and all those sophomores. It's three sophomores leading them in scoring pretty much every game. Right. <laughs> which is um, not bad. Uh, the Battle of St. Charles on uh, Friday as well. York has a big weekend because they got Downers Grove North Downers, on Friday. Downers North, yeah. Yeah, so that's good. Saturday's pretty thin overall. Um, I was struggling. St. Lawrence is at Fenwick. Uh, Dundee Crown, Crystal Lake South. Crystal Lake South all of a sudden, who even in the limited Fox Valley talk we've had on the podcast, we have not mentioned to them, and they are now in first place in the conference. <laughs> oh, one more Friday night. I don't, I don't think we talked about Marion Catholic at Bennett, first oh, place yeah. on the line in the East Suburban Catholic Conference. You know, if Marion Catholic were to lose that, I think I think there's four teams then would be tied for first in the East Suburban Catholic because I think Viator's one game back, Bennett's one game back, and there's Notre Dame, I think, one game back. No. That would be a real uh, rankings buster for me. Yeah, Notre Dame's five and one in the contest. Yeah. So yeah, they're all yeah. bunched up right there for sure. Um, that'll be a good one, Marion Catholic Bennett. That game always seems to um, be consequential to my rankings. <laughs> Saw a great, a great one there when at Bennett, Tyler Eulis's senior year, I think, yeah. or junior. No, I yeah. think it was junior year, That's maybe it's junior year. Uh, it was an overtime or a buzzer beater or something. He I needed guess. like to, a four point play, I think it was, wasn't it, to yeah. send it to overtime, and he got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. yeah, that was an excellent game. My, my, my memory is horrible, but that's one I remember for sure. All right, so we will be back next week. We'll have a little bit more clarity on the uh, the first two rounds of the public league playoffs. We'll be in the books. We'll can talk a little bit about that and kind of how these conference races heat up. Thanks for listening, everybody.